it's like the different types of love a stepmom may feel toward their stepkids versus their bio kids versus their niece and nephews. Yes, exactly. You know what? I can't love my stepkids like my own because I don't know what that looks like. Right. Because I actually, I don't have children. At least you realize that. (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 218 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Hey folks, I made it back. (laughs) (laughs) But did he really? (laughs) Or is this AI David? Yeah, because there is an A and an I in David. Okay, we're going to have to start doing video so people can see me shake my head. Surprised you can't hear it. I don't have rocks in my head like you, David. Okay, before I forget, two announcements. First announcement is suicide is mentioned in this podcast episode. Number two, the winner of the Nacho Kids Academy scholarship is Amanda G. Amanda G, check your emails and we will get you started in the Nacho Kids Academy. Congratulations. Congratulations, girl. All right. Our guest today, (laughs) and I have to laugh because I could not remember what her business is. For instance, you know, we're Nacho Kids. Claudette is the stepmom coach, whatever. And I was thinking (laughs) that hers was the unworthy stepmom, and I couldn't find it. (laughs) And it's the worthy stepmom. Monica, girl, forgive me. I know you love me and I know you understand. So I know it's all good. Welcome to my world. But our guest today, (laughs) our guest today is Monica Cheney with the Worthy Stepmom. She has three stepkids, no bio kids by choice, and she's been blending for 11 years. Her and her now husband met on eHarmony. He was in China and she was in the Ukraine. That's a good way to keep a safe distance from the person you're seeing online. <laughs> and they met in London. Wow. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Yeah. It's awesome. Her now husband had never introduced anyone to his kids before. So that was new. But but has since, right? Yeah. <laughs> I will say that her stepkids are currently 25, 23, and 21. They were 14, 12, and 10 when she met her now husband. So that's some tough ages. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. She is a stepkid herself. Okay. All right. Her dad got married two weeks ago when she and I recorded this. He's 81 years old. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, and her you. and her stepmom is seventy seven. I thought you were going to say she's forty something, <laughs> like the same age as her or whatever. And her parents were together for fifty five years. Oh wow! Yeah, that's uh, that, this is probably the last generation that'll that'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Be together for fifty five years. Yeah, I know. What was that I said earlier? We're raising the next generation of second generation step families. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Even at that age, I think it's difficult 
to have your parents remarry. But her mom told her and her sister that if something happens to her, she wanted their dad to get remarried. Okay. Have you told my kids that so they won't be sad? No. I don't <laughs> care what you do. I'll be dead. <laughs> and plus, they ain't my kids anyway. I want to tell Jackson. Jackson won't care. <laughs> he'll, just, he'll probably say something like, can you find somebody that cooks this time? <laughs> you know I'm not wrong. <laughs> Unfortunately, Monica and her sister do not have a relationship. Six months after Monica's mother died, her sister and brother-in-law cut off contact. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason behind it. Yep. And to hear that reason, you got to listen. Listen, Linda. All righty, then. All right. You ready to get to it? Ready to get to it. All right, good, because I want to know why. So here we go. Today, we have Monica Cheney with The Worthy Stepmom. Hey, Monica, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing well. So tell us a little bit about your blend. I have three stepchildren, no biological children by choice. My stepchildren are now adults. They are 25, 23, 21, and my eldest stepson is married, so I'm also a mother-in-law. Oh. Yeah. And how long have you been blending? 11 years. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, if we make it past year three, we're doing good, right? I know, exactly. Exactly. I know. Yeah. It, it, every year is a, worth a celebration, isn't it? So. Yes. Yeah. So when you met the kids, they were about 14, 12, and 10? Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you met your significant other, he had kids. Were you reluctant to get in a relationship with someone that had kids since you didn't want kids? No. No. It, it No. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all. I didn't really, I kind of knew, because I met my husband when I was a lot older. Like when we met, I was already 40. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it was kind of like, well, I'm going to meet a guy around that age. Chances are he's got kids. So it wasn't like a deal breaker for me if a guy had kids. So, yeah, it just didn't didn't occur to me that it would be an issue. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense that, As you get older, you're going to end up in a relationship with someone that has kids. Yes. Or, for instance, now, if we were all single and looking, we would be more apt to find someone that has kids and has an ex, and we're going through that whole blended crap. Exactly. It's like, you know, I had a history and he had a history. My history just didn't include kids. Right. you know. And how did y'all meet? We actually met on (laughs) (laughs) eHarmony. I love it. Yeah, so he was living in China. He's not Chinese. He's American. My husband's American. So he was living in China and I was living in Ukraine. So we met online and then we met in person in London. I was flying to London for a conference. And yeah, so we we met on eHarmony. <laughs> We're one of the success stories. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. Was he yeah. concerned about you meeting his kids? Or them liking you? Did he ever say anything about that? 
No, he had he didn't have any concerns. You know, after my husband divorced, he didn't date anyone and he didn't introduce his children to anybody. So he he went on a few dates and stuff, but it wasn't anything serious where he felt like, hey, I want to introduce these, you know, this person to my children. And so I was the since the divorce, I've been the only person who's ever introduced to his kids. So I think because we knew it was serious and, you know, we wanted to be together and we wanted to be married, it was a little bit easy for him to introduce me to his children. But actually, one thing that I wanted to mention is when my husband and his ex-wife divorced, before he started dating, he actually went to his children and he asked for the like, permission and agreement that, like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to start dating. Like, how do you feel about that? So that's something that he did with his kids. Wow. So I think that helped them be a little bit more open as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I wonder what he would have done if they'd have said, we don't want you dating anybody. <laughs> I know. Well, I think, I think they wouldn't have done that because their mom was dating, you know, mm-hmm. other people already. So I don't think they, they would have said, oh, no, you can't date. So, yeah. Well. You work with stepmoms, which we'll talk about shortly, mm-hmm. but I know from your experience, you have seen that the relationship between the bio dad and the kids is different than the bio mom and the kids, meaning mm-hmm. that bio mom can date a hundred people and it doesn't seem to have the impact of when dad starts dating or when dad gets married. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that for the kids, it's like mom's dating somebody, and this this was our case, you know, it's like mom's dating people. Dating, she can break up with them, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it was kind of like dad's getting married. There was a finality to it because we weren't just dating. We were now, okay, we, we actually getting married. And once we were married, it's kind of feels more final. And at that time, mom was still, you know, dating. So mom only got married recently. So this whole time we've been together, mom's just dated. Right. So, yeah, I think I think there was a finality to, yeah. to our side of things, you know. I need to talk to some stepkids because I want to know what the difference is. We see it all the time. Mom can be remarried, but when mm-hmm. dad gets remarried, it's like that just sets it in stone that mom and dad will never get back together. I wonder if it's because, you know, the dad is kind of the protector of the home and, and you know, in a lot of instances, dad is seen as kind of like the strong person. And now if dad gets remarried, maybe he's not going to look after us anymore. Maybe he's not going to protect us anymore. You know what I mean? I wonder if mm-hmm. there's that because kids don't see the stepdad as the dad. Unless, I mean, there's some instances, of course, you know, but I just wonder if it's something to do with that, you know? Yeah, Where, it, it might. Yeah. Well, I know in my situation, my mom and dad split up when I was much older. I think I was 31 when they split up. And my mom, she didn't really date, but my dad was seeing someone. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really bother me that he did, but I wanted her to do the same. Right. Now, granted, I was a lot older. Sure. So at. <clears throat> 30, when your parents split up, it's still hard. Don't get me of wrong. Course. It's still hard. But you just want them to be happy, especially when you saw how miserable they were together. Yes. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so with my dad dating, it didn't really have that negative impact on me. I was just like, okay, well, that's great. Mama needs to date. Mama needs to find somebody else. But I can tell you right now, if I would have been a teenager, it would have Mm -hmm. been completely different. I am a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. And it would have been, oh, no, I am going to torture you till you leave. I would have been that (laughs) horrible stepkid. You know, I I can kind of relate, you know, in, in, in some ways. My dad actually just got married two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yes. So my mom passed away in January of 2020. And um, so he's reconnected anyway. Long story short, they've known each other since they were kids. My dad's going to be 82. So, um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know, I know. And she's like 77 or something. And, you know, that's happy as punch, but that's come with a lot of emotions for me. And I'm in my 50s, you know, so it's yeah. not like I'm not, you know, I've, I've got some life experience and I've got this, you know, I would like to think, you know, that I'm relatively healthy emotionally and I'm an emotionally strong and healthy person and, you know, no one's got it all together, right? But right. um and even I had struggles. So I can't imagine being a teenager or a young kid, you know, who just doesn't know what's really going on. So, yeah, so I, I kind of find it quite funny that at this age, you know, the stepmom coach became a stepchild and gained a stepmom. So it's kind of like you can't make this stuff up, right? Yeah. So you yeah. are a stepchild as of two weeks ago. As of two weeks ago, I'm a stepchild. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just shocked that your dad, he's 82 now. He's going to be 82 in December. Okay. So, so yeah. Well, still, he's 81. Yes. And he got remarried. He got remarried. He did. That yeah. just trips me out because yeah. I think David and I are both like, look, if this doesn't work, we're done. We're not doing this marriage <laughs> thing again. I know. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think, you know, my parents were together for 55 years. So maybe it's a little bit different. I don't think my dad would have met somebody else. Because he was just always, he and my mom were very much still in love even after 55 years. Sadly, my mom passed away, you know. So as a mature adult, I can look at it and go, although it's come with some emotion for me, you know, especially, you know, because my mom passed away, I I look at it and I go, my dad's happier. My dad is calmer. He's less frantic. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's got someone who's like just looking out for him. That's just being kind to him, and, and especially for me, you know, my dad's 9,000 miles away from me. You know, he's in South Africa and I'm, you know, in Texas. So oh, wow. that for me is like, it, it. it's a relief for my heart to know like, okay, dad's okay, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so your, your dad's in South Africa? He is, yeah. Yeah. So, so wow. that's, where I'm, that's where I'm from. So yeah. Okay. So that's where you're from, not from the Ukraine? No, no, no. I was just working there. I was working in Ukraine, so, yeah. Okay. All right, so that makes sense. Yes. And, I mean, let's think about this. You're 80 years old. Your wife passes away a few years ago. You're alone. Yes. You haven't been alone for 55 years. Yep. And I'm so glad that this didn't happen because we see it too often where when people are married for such a long time, when one dies, the other dies quickly thereafter. Yes, exactly. And, you know, for my dad, it was very, very difficult because my mom passed away in January 
And in March, the world shut down with COVID. So suddenly he was, and the lockdown in South Africa was extremely strict. But, you know, my dad's such a cheeky guy. But, you know, South Africa was like, you can't leave your house unless you go to the doctor or the supermarket. Well, it turns out my dad's best friend's a doctor. So he would be going to the doctor, you know. (laughs) So at least he had a little bit of company. But after 55 years, he was suddenly in a house, locked up, alone, with memories of my mom. Right. You know, and that was, it, it was heartbreaking, you know. It was absolutely devastating for him. I mean, I used to phone him every day. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how hard that is as an elderly person because look at how it has affected our kids and our teenagers. Mm-hmm. With oh, depression yeah. and the suicide rates going up and. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine. I'm glad that you were able to call him every day. I know it wasn't the same as being there for him. Yes. But he sounds like a pretty tough dude. He is. He's he's the biggest sweetheart. I'm also daddy's girl. I'm the baby of the family. So, um, yeah, so I'm very much a daddy's girl. And, you know, he's, yes, I take care of all his finances, his banking, his QuickBooks, his, you know, I have power of attorney. I'm the I'm the baby, but I'm the responsible one. So anyway, so I'll yes. do all of that for him. So yeah. So. I, I get it. I'm the middle child and sometimes it's like, why am I stuck with this responsibility? I know. It's like <laughs> I'm the baby. Shouldn't I be like be taken care of and everyone else does stuff? Hang on a minute. Like something's wrong here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so you get the stepmom. How long mm-hmm. did you go to the wedding? I did not, no, because they're <gasps> in South Africa. So well, yeah. you could have went. I know, but it's just like it's it it gets so crazy. And the other thing is, you know, South Africa's where my dad is. So he's in Johannesburg, and it is one of the most violent cities in the world. Oh, really? And so, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I grew up. You know, it's Africa, so it's it's a whole different ball game. But um, yeah, and so for me to go there is just like, oh, you know, normally we would bring my parents over every year. Um, so hopefully we'll get my dad over, my dad and his new wife over either this year or next year, we'll get them over to come and see us rather than us going to South Africa, you know, right. it's just not safe. Yeah. Have you met this lady? No. <laughs> <laughs> this gets better and better. This is so um, funny. Well, actually, um, did when I was a baby, but obviously I don't remember that. She and her husband were friends with my mom and dad. Ah. And so. Oh, you know what the scandal is going to be. I know, but <laughs> no. And actually, her husband passed away like six months after my mom. Oh, wow. So, you know, they were both alone and they've known each other for years. They know each other's family. They knew each other's spouses, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that made it a bit easier for them to kind of fall in love and connect and, you know, so. Well, they knew each other and it was comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. And I think at this age, you know, it's a companionship. It's not a... Hey, baby, let's get it on. You I know? was getting ready to say that, like, come here, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. So, yeah. So I think it's more about some companionship and some, you know, yeah. Knowing somebody's going to be there to call 911. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. Yep, exactly. That's it. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have been at that wedding. So You've cute. got to oh. send me a picture. Oh, I will. I will. I'll send you a photo. So photo for sure. have you FaceTime with her or anything? No, so I call my dad. <laughs> at the moment, I call him like three times a week. And so 
more often than not, he'll just say, oh, you know, Madalena wants to say something and then he'll just pass the phone to her and I'm like, okay, and then we just chat and stuff and we, we get on really well. She seems very, very sweet and um, she seems to really care for my dad and so that's that's a great comfort to me, yeah. you know, to know that he's okay and she's, you know, a kind lady and, and stuff. And I've probably been chatting to her on and off for the last year, you know, so, yeah, so I feel like I've got to know her a little bit. So that's been good for me, you know. So, yeah. Does she yeah. have kids? She has a son, and um, so he lives in the same city as uh, as my dad. Yeah, so so, so you've got a stepbrother. I've got a stepbrother that I've never met. <laughs> okay, he's on a different continent. I'm like, okay, you know. So anyway, kind of funny, but you do go. you think you'll ever meet him? Probably. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, I've got to go to South Africa just to not because if you I tell me as crazy as it is. Well, this is a. The last time I was there was when my mom passed away, you know, beginning of 2020. But obviously I was there for three weeks and, you know, it was just all crazy because obviously my mom had just passed away. I mean, you know, thankfully I made it home in time to see her because it's it's a 24-hour trip, you know, to get there. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I think I still need to go and resolve some stuff in the house and stuff. So I'll probably have to go at some point. But, yeah, I guess I'll have Well, to thank go. goodness your mom didn't pass away right when COVID started or you could have been stuck there. Oh, I know. You know, it's, it's a horrible thing, you know, losing my mom. Like she was like a best friend to me. We got on really, really well, but you know, I'm so thankful that COVID hadn't really caused any issues when I was there. And, you know, we could just be with my mom in the hospital and just come and go as we please. The hospital were fantastic. And I, I can't imagine having, you know, restrictions. Oh, you, you can only stay for five minutes, only one at a time, or you can't visit at all, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Do you know, and this might be the craziest question anybody's ever asked you, <laughs> do you know if your mom and dad talked about, if either of them passed away, about them getting into another relationship? Yes. Yes, they did. And um, I actually had to remind my dad about that because my mom had said to me and to my sister, we we only two children, had said that if anything ever happened to her, and this was before she got sick, that, you know, she always used, uh, well, not always used to say, but she said, dad's such a good looking man, you know, he should remarry. If something happens to me, you know, he should remarry. He's a good looking guy, you know. And (laughs) so, you know, so I reminded my dad of that because when he phoned to kind of talk about marriage, you know, to this lady, I could tell that he was a little bit hesitant and a little bit and so I reminded him and said you know what like it's just a different season it's a different love just don't be happy you know right yeah it doesn't mean that he loved your mom any less no not at all it's just it's a different kind of love you know it's different right yeah and I think that that's something that I think actually going back to the whole stepmom thing is just you know what stepmoms don't realize my husband loves me very differently to how he loved his ex-wife yes you know, and actually he loves me better. Are and, you sure um, about, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, and he, he just loves me differently. And I think sometimes it's hard for stepmoms to get their head around that because they feel like they've missed out on something because he's loved somebody before. Right. But we forget that. I've loved somebody before. You've loved somebody before. You know what I mean? And we put so much focus on it and it's like, but he loves you now. And right. that's what 
That's what needs to matter. My husband, what he did with his ex-wife, what he felt for his ex-wife, whatever, that's gone and buried, you know, and he's he loves me now mm-hmm. and that's what matters and he loves me differently and he loves me better. So, yeah. I mean, and you say this as a stepmom, meaning that your stepkids were in your life mm-hmm. and you had that constant reminder that he had a life prior to you. Oh, yeah. Every time they walk through the door. Right. You know, it's that, you know, it, it, it's it's like my husband's history walks in the door. Right. Every time the kids walk in, I have a history that doesn't impact him. Right. Because I don't, I didn't bring children, you know, right in, into the relationship. So it, it's a little bit different. Yeah. And you don't resent him for that. You've accepted it. Absolutely. Because I've got a past. And just because, you know what, we, we've all made decisions and we've all made mistakes and we've all, you know, we've all lived life. And, and there's some stuff that I've done that was really stupid that I go, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just like, what was I thinking? And so for me to not expect that my husband has done the same thing, and I'm not saying that that's how it was with his ex-wife. I'm just saying in life in general, for me to have a life and expect him to not have a life is not realistic. Right. You know? Yeah. And if if I if I expect him to accept me for who I am and accept my history, then I have to accept him for who he is and I have to accept his history. And his history looks different to my history. Right. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I've looked at it. And two, talking about different types of love, it's like the different types of love a stepmom may feel toward their stepkids versus their bio kids versus their niece and nephews. Yes, exactly. You know what? I can't love my stepkids like my own because I don't know what that looks like. Right. Because I actually, I don't have children. At least you realize that. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, I can look at it and go, well, I think that's how, but instead of trying to get my mind in a twist and all worked up and, oh, I've got to love them like my own, I love them the best way I know how to love them. And I love them, I try to love them in ways that I believe they need me to love them right? and they need me to show up for them. Trying to love them like my own, I, I, like, I don't have a point of reference because I don't have children. I don't have biological children. So I just don't try to do that. Right. I don't know what that needs to look like. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not saying that you don't care about them or I hate to use the word less, like you love them less. No. Yeah. It's just a different, it's a different kind of love. I love my stepchildren. I absolutely adore them to pieces. You know, I, I, I truly do. Do I love them like a mom loves them? I don't believe so because I'm not a mom. And so I can't relate to that kind of love. Right. So I don't know. I don't have a point of reference. Yeah. I can't really say. Well, I don't know about you, but you said you were a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. The love I had for my dad is different than the love I had for my mom. Yes. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, stepmoms are criticized if they love their stepkids differently than their own. No. I know it's, it's it's so many double standards, and you know the thing is, is you know there's always pressure on on the stepmom. Love the kid like your own. Love the kid like your own. But what people fail to recognize is is that what the kid needs? Right. 
because my stepchildren has that they have a mom, okay, and however she loves them, that's her choice. Those are her kids, right? And they don't need me to give them that same kind of love because they have that from their mom. And I think that if I if I had tried to love them like a mom then it almost feels like I'm trying to replace their mom. And maybe they would have resented that because that's not what they need. Right. They don't need that because they have a mom. Yes. I think in the, in the cases where maybe, you know, mom's passed away or maybe where, you know, mom is doesn't have primary custody, you know, if you're a full-time stepmom or stuff like that, maybe that looks a bit different. But, you know, in the, I would say, majority of stepmoms are not full-time stepmoms and they're not, the majority are not dealing with, you know, a mom that's passed away. So Right. Yeah. And that offers its own challenges. I know a lot of people think, mm. oh, if bio mom just wasn't in the picture, oh, it doesn't necessarily make things easier. No, it doesn't. And especially if the mom has passed away, because if you think about it, like, I, you know, my mom's passed away and my mom had flaws. I mean, you know, we all do, right? So, but all I remember is the good of my mom. So it's almost like when somebody passes away, they almost become a saint. Yes. You know what I mean? And so it's like then you're trying to live up to this like perfect saint person. And of course that saint person didn't exist because that person had flaws, right? Like mm-hmm. we all do. And I mean, you're just trying to, you know, compete with this ghost that didn't exist. Yes. I can't imagine how hard that is. I know I interviewed a lady one time that she married a widower. Mm-hmm. And she said it's like competing with a ghost. Yes. And she said that her husband has told her, look, my ex was not perfect. And all these grandioso happy memories they have, they've escalated those memories from, oh, it was a good day to it was the best day in the whole world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like everything that she did has just been multiplied by 100%. And the one time they died Easter eggs, they don't remember the times they died them before and she got mad and slung eggs everywhere, but they remember that one time that she died Easter eggs with them and gave them glitter. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I mean, I find myself doing that as an adult with my mom yeah. like when she passed away. So imagine as a child where, you know, I do it and then I recognize that I'm doing it because I have that, you know, maturity to to go, oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, these are great memories and mom was awesome. My mom was fantastic. I loved her a bit. But like I say, I can really be objective and go, yeah, you know what? But my mom actually did these things that weren't so great. Um, as a child, I don't know that you can differentiate between that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know with my mom too. My mom and I had a very strained relationship. Now, she was the one I called when I got sick, though. Mm -hmm. But again, I was the daddy's girl. And I noticed that after she passed away, it's not like I forgot the bad things as much, but I wasn't as open with how our relationship wasn't the best. Yes. And when I say that, my sister's... (laughs) She told my dad, she said, I don't know who Lori's talking about on her Facebook page when she brings up mama, because that ain't the mama I remember. (laughs) Oh, that's excellent. Well, you kind of feel bad saying, you know, she was mean, and she was mean. She was mean. She was strict. She was a very unhappy person. But like you said, when somebody dies, you feel wrong speaking ill of the dead. 
Exactly. And so then, and I think also, you know what, I think part of the grieving process is, you know, having memories, you have memories, but I think that it's quite interesting how the memories tend to be good memories. I think if you had a really bad relationship with somebody, then maybe you'd have some of this hurt come up and stuff like that. I mean, Uh I I guess that's one of the things I'm thankful for with my mom is we were completely reconciled and, you know, uh, there's things I miss. There's a lot of things that I miss, but I, I, I feel like, you know, when she passed away, we had a really great relationship and we had had for many years. And so it's, yeah, I, th- I think you do automatically, I think it's a way of coping is to mm-hmm. remember the good because it's, it's you're dealing with grief. And, and, and when you're a child, you don't know how to process grief. And so, yeah. Well, we are more apt to remember the bad. Yes. Because that's your body's way of protecting you. Mm -hmm. And I know with my mom, since we did have such a bad relationship, the memories I had were more of me feeling guilty for that Mm -hmm. bad relationship. Right. Although I know that it wasn't all me. Sure. But I tell you what, and this is so funny. Whenever I dream about my mom, she still fusses at me. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Every dream, she's fussing at me about something. That's too funny. <laughs> I, I wake up and I'm like, well, she's still the same. <laughs> the relationship hasn't changed. <laughs> oh, that's that's just too funny. Yeah. But I had to make myself remember the good things. And I remember my sister, my older sister before she passed away, she wanted to rehash our life together, you know, as children. And I said, I really don't have any desire to do that. Because in it, our life was fine. But as an adult, it's like, you know, some things just wasn't right. And I just didn't feel the need to rehash those things. Yes. But my sister did. Isn't that interesting? So that just goes to show you how different people are. She wanted to understand things. She wanted to go back and try to, I guess, find some resolve. Yes. And I look at it as, that was a long time ago. There's nothing I can do to change it. And I need to focus on the present and the future. Yes. But then it just goes to show you, I wonder, like, even if, you know, the bio mom hasn't passed away, I wonder if that, you know, because our stepchildren do grieve the loss of their family unit, right? Mm -hmm. And so I do wonder if they look at things almost as if they've lost a parent. I wonder if that's how it feels to a certain degree because they have lost a parent, like full-time. I mean, if they're with dad full-time, then they miss out on mom full-time. If they're with mom full-time, they miss out on dad full-time. And so it makes me wonder if that's part of, you know, and, and that's something we can't replace. So when we're trying to love them as our own, well, we, we can't replace that, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. I do think there is a, 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 a huge amount of grief for children of divorce. You know, there yes. is there is a big amount of, um, you know, and, and I know even for my husband it was very hard. You know, it's like he said, he said, I missed out on a million good nights, a million cuddles, 
Mm-hmm. You know, so many things that he missed out on and that's really hard and it's hard for the children because they've missed out on that with their dad, you know, full right. time. He yeah. gave it when he could, when they were with him, but he couldn't do it full time. So right, th- there's grief associated to that, being unable to do that from both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that we understand a lot of times what the stepkids have gone through. Mm-hmm. I know, as for me, it was, I couldn't really see what the stepkids were going through because I was going through so much. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. call it selfish, you can call it whatever, but I'm thinking, oh, everybody's life's great, but mine, yeah. which is not true. <laughs> yeah. But I could just see what was going on with them. I mean, what was going on with me? I couldn't see past my own hurt. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the hardest things for me when I did realize that the stepkids were hurting too. Yes. I went through the same thing. I think you just so, and I don't think it's selfish. I think, I mean, I don't know. in, In my case, I was trying to reconcile what was going on. When I was working in Ukraine, you know, I was working in anti-human trafficking. I was heading up an organization, an anti-human trafficking organization. So, you know, I was dealing with a lot of trauma and, you know, I was working with victims of human trafficking, you know, that that had been rescued. And, and that was my job, you know. Mm-hmm. And so coming in, you know, as, as a stepmom, I didn't think it would be that hard. I mean, my husband and I went in totally like... I don't know, you know, we were in Candyland or something, you know, we were on this high, this sugar high of like, everything's awesome, everything's amazing. And it was, and then suddenly something changed. And I think the very first thing that I did was go, well, it must be me, I've done something. Mm -hmm. And so then you try to like pedal to fix it and then that makes it worse so you kind of backpedal and and you just don't know which way to go and you you end up being like a circus monkey on one of those like little unicycles like going from place to place and hoping you don't fall off right and so I I think to a degree I became quite self-absorbed because like you say you know you you just stuck in your own pain and you're stuck in this vicious cycle of what just happened why do I feel this way? Why is someone behaving this way? Why is this happening? And, and you can't, I, I couldn't articulate it. I, I couldn't understand what was going on. I knew nothing about the dynamics of set families. It just had never, ever occurred to me. So, I mean, we went in completely blind, completely blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first time you met your stepkids, yeah. where were you? I had flown to China. The children were with my husband for the summer in China. They were with him for six weeks in China. So I, I flew from Ukraine to, to China to meet them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we had a great time. We all went on really well. It was fine. I was very relaxed. I didn't have any expectations one way or the other. Yeah, it was fantastic. I loved it. And where did you meet them? Well, we were staying at a hotel in Shanghai. So, you know, it, it wasn't before we went back to my husband's apartment, which was in another city called Zhangjiagong. And uh, so we were, you know, at a hotel and uh, my husband was in a room with his two boys and I was in a room with my 12-year-old stepdaughter. And so, I don't know, we just clicked because she's kind of a girly girl and I'm kind of a girly girl. And so it was kind of like, oh, you know, she was like, oh, 
can I use your makeup or whatever? So we just clicked immediately and the boys kind of were hanging out with dad and I didn't pick up on anything. And I don't know if I was just oblivious or there genuinely was nothing at that time. Mm-hmm. We, we had a lovely time. It was very relaxing. And I just assumed that's how it was going to be. So I had no, there were no red flags for me, none whatsoever. That's great. Mm-hmm. So when did y'all move to the States? The step kids live in the States, correct? Yes. So they live, they've been living in San Antonio since the divorce. So we were in China for the first five years, although I did spend quite a bit of time in the U.S. And we would commute between China and the U.S. Mm-hmm. to see the kids. So um, sometimes we'd fly in for a weekend because it was our weekend, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. That's a 24-hour trip from our, like, door-to-door, basically. Um, So we had a house here in San Antonio, but we weren't living in it full-time. And then we moved back permanently in 2017. So, yeah, so we would get the kids for the summer. We would fly here. They would come and stay with us. Yeah. So that's how that worked for us. (laughs) And then you moved to the States. Yep. We moved permanently to the States. And how long ago was that? That was 2017. Okay. So about six years ago. Yeah. The start of 2017. Mm -hmm. Yep. How often would you see the stepkids then? Well, at that time, my eldest stepson, gosh, he would have been, how old was he then? He would have been 17, I think. Yeah, I think he was around 17. And at that time, you know, he was driving and he was going into his final year of high school. So he, and he had a job. So he wouldn't stay with us, but he would come and visit like when it was our weekend and he would just visit whenever he wanted to kind of thing. So he kind of started doing his own thing. And then the youngest two, we would have them every other weekend. Okay. Yeah. When... All this started transitioning when you had them every other weekend. Was the relationship with y'all still good? Um, we went through a variety of things as a step family. So we had we went through some parental alienation. We went through loyalty binds and parentification as well. So it was very up and down. Sometimes it was worse than others. And sometimes it was kind of fine. You know, and and we thought, okay, we're over this. And then it would kind of hit the next time they visited. So, yeah, it it, it was up and down. So it wasn't easy? Not at all. Not at all. And and did you come in kind of trying to parent them or did you just step back? I have never parented my stepchildren, ever. What my husband and I chose to do was just have – because the kids were living with their mom and they had they did things certain ways and whatever, we tried to just not have a whole bunch of rules when they came to our house. You know, we, we forget that our stepchildren coming into our house, they want to spend time with their dad. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. They're not there to spend time with me. It's great that they spend time with me. They're there to see their dad. And when we start giving them a, a bunch of chores and a bunch of rules and a bunch of whatever Although all of those things are necessary and important, I think it's important to consider like what's really important to you and what can you let go of. And so that's what I did with the kids. You know, so I I had very few rules with the kids. So, for instance, um, 
I don't know if they recycled at their mom's house. I have no idea. I never asked the question. I noticed that at our house, they just generally didn't recycle and we big on recycling. And so it was, I just had to go, you know what? The stuff that's really important to me is being done and this is recycling. And so, you know what? For the weekend, there's going to be four containers that are not going to be recycled. I just have to live with that instead of like, no, you need to recycle and you need to this. Because even at at an older age, I found that they were so set in their ways because of living with their mom. You know, they just did things a certain way. They come to a house and do that. And for me to now try and change it just created stress. And so I had to just let some stuff go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't have everything. Right. I couldn't have everything I wanted. There were, there were a few things that I just said to my husband. I was like, these things really matter to me, that the kids make their beds, that they pick up after themselves. And, you know, we had a pool and I was like, I just don't want any wet towels or wet swimsuits on rugs, beds, you know, crumpled up in a, in a heap. And so those things were important to me. I don't want to look at a room that's where beds are made. That to me is just really not acceptable. I, I could have 20 things that are that I feel like, oh, well, it should be done, this should be done, that should be done. But I had to choose the ones that I just got. I really can't live with walking past a room and seeing a bed unmade. Mm-hmm. And that was my thing, you know, as silly as it seems, you know. It was just, yeah. Yeah. So I had to pick my I had to pick my battles. Yeah. So you're walking through the house, the stepkids aren't there. And you walk by their room and you notice their bed is not made. Mm-hmm. What would you do? I'll tell my husband. Would you say little Johnny didn't make his bed? Oh, yeah. I'd just say to him, oh, can you ask, you know, whatever, please to make a bed. And he'd be like, okay. And he was okay with that. Yeah, he was fine. And he was he was very good in following through on things that I'd asked, you know. So if I said, you know, can you just ask one of the kids to make the bed, he would go and say, hey, don't forget to make your bed. Mm-hmm. Or you need to go make your bed or however he dealt with it. But, yeah, I, I would just speak to him. It occurred to me that I, I don't think they, they were going to listen to me, if that makes sense. And they weren't rebellious kids and they weren't bad kids. They're, they're actually really lovely kids. But I just didn't feel like say that I didn't have that authority that's wrong because my husband was very supportive I don't know it was just a natural thing for me I was just like yeah you know can you get the kids to make the bed that was right it, it wasn't your lazy kids they haven't made the bed again do they not know the rules I'm sick of this it wasn't like that no 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 I'm, yeah. I'm generally I'm, I'm quite even keel I mean I do get emotionally upset of course and I lose it every now and again we all do right but yeah yeah but generally with stuff like that I was like okay just get them to make the bed and this wasn't all the time because he could easily be like oh my gosh you're always complaining about my kids I think that was hard you know when I when I would speak to my husband about his kids and say like I'm really struggling with this or that I I, I started to realize that I needed to change my language because I needed to explain to him, and he knew this, and I know it sounds really stupid, but I needed to explain to him, I don't have children, and this is very difficult for me to suddenly have these children in my home, you know, for various reasons, even though they're great kids and and I love them and they're welcome, of course, but I'm I'm very set in my ways and I like things a certain way, and I think some of that stems, some of, you know, the stresses that sick moms have stem from that, and we don't acknowledge it, you know, we don't say, actually, this is my stuff, like, I'm just, you know, I just like things done a certain way, whatever. 
But I know that sometimes we would end up having arguments where he would, well, not arguments, but just sort of disagreements where he would think bashing on his kids. And it's like, I wasn't bashing on his kids. I was trying to express my frustration or my struggle at having his children there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was understanding of that? Um, Yeah, he understood. I mean, we, we would have to get to a place where we communicated. Yeah. And you can't be mad when you communicate. No, exactly. And so now it's very different. Now it's very different because I I know how to communicate to him in a way that he doesn't feel like I'm saying something about his kids. Right. Yes. And he understands after this long that if you do say something about his kids, it's out of love, not out of judgment. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I can just be more honest that there's a way that I can do it. Because you know what? At the end of the day, and I think this is really a a key thing, you know, we love our spouse or our partner so much, but when we say something about their children, we actually hurt their heart. Yes. And, you know, a man's heart is his greatest strength. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, I love my husband. I don't want to hurt his heart. I don't want to say something that's going to hurt him. And so how do I say to him, you know what, Johnny's really bugging me or Johnny did this wrong without hurting his heart, without Mm -hmm. it coming across like your kid is a lazy so-and-so, he's not doing anything and I hate him. Like how do you do that? And and so it's almost like you need to take the emotion out of it and almost just be like have a logical conversation without the emotion. And that's something that – you know, I think is really important. When we're emotional, we're never going to make good choices and we're not going to have good conversations when we're emotional. So Yes, definitely. And it's so important to be able to explain to them how you're feeling mm-hmm. without judging their kids. And yes. David and I, let's see, we'll be married, good Lord, 14 years this year. And there are things that he can say about Jackson, and there are things he cannot. Yes. And when I say that, he can say, I thought Jackson had a lot of schoolwork, but he's outside working on his four-wheeler. Okay. Yeah. He can can say that, but he cannot say, your kid's going to flunk freaking school because he's out there working on that four-wheeler instead of in there doing his schoolwork like he's supposed to. Yeah. Mama bear. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, for the first scenario, Mama Bear would have came out years ago. But sure. now, again, I know it's coming from a place of love and concern. Yes. Not judgment, not criticism or anything like that. And that's what takes time to build. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the Mama Bear. You know, we we so, we have such an awareness of, of the Mama Bear, but we forget that, you know, for, for men, they feel the need to protect, provide, and fix, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to their children, they have the same, like, it's inbuilt need that men have to protect their children. So when you're coming in as a stepmom, you're going, your kid does blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to feel a need to protect his kid. And then, then you feel like, well, he's not on my side. And so it just spirals completely out of control. But if you speak to him about his kids in a way that he doesn't feel like he needs to protect them, mm-hmm. then you're having a different conversation. Right. Suddenly it, it looks very different and the outcome is going to be very different. Yes. 
Exactly. So, yeah. And the best thing you can do, and this is one thing we teach in the academy, is don't say the kid's name. So, for instance, with you, if you saw that the stepkid didn't make their bed, instead of saying, hey, when you get a chance, can you have little Johnny make his bed? You could say, hey, when you get a chance, can you make the beds for me? Right. That way you're not using the kid's name. You're not saying your kid, blah, blah, blah. They know whose bed it is that needs to be made. Yes. It's easier to use like dishes <laughs> than the bed. Yes. But say little Johnny was supposed to do dishes and you come home from work and they're not done and everybody's playing on their games and stuff and nobody's paying attention to the dishes. Instead of getting angry, you can ask your husband or significant other when they come into the room. Don't go hunt them down. But when they come into the room, just say, hey, when you get a second, can you help me and do the dishes? And at that point, they can say, well, little Johnny was supposed to do the dishes. I'll go tell him to do them. Or they can do them for their kid. Yeah, exactly. They know who didn't do the dishes. You don't need to tell them. It's almost like. I can't stand when people say my name. It drives me crazy. And I know that one of the things about active listening is to say somebody's name, right? But I'm sure it's because of past relationships where the person has been condescending and said my name at the end. Mm. Like, okay, whatever, Lori, that drives me batty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) So that's like a trigger for me. Yes. Yeah. And when you take the name out of it, whether it's about your stepkids or anything like that, it takes that personal kind of emotion out of it. Yes. And and I think, you know what, if if life's busy and then you've got these stepkids and schedules and maybe you've got your own kids and you've got all these different things that need to happen when the kids are with you. And so it can feel like extremely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once you connect with your partner and th- and that's the, the whole point I, I, I'm not here because of my stepkids I'm here because right. I met an amazing guy and uh, I still absolutely love him with all my heart you know and I'm, I just love being with him and, and he's the love of my life and and that's why I'm here his children are in, an extension of him but I'm not here because of the kids and right. you didn't fall in love with the kids no I didn't and you know and, and it doesn't mean I don't love them but I'm not here because of them that's right. like it's secondary to my relationship. My mm-hmm. my relationship is primary. And, you know, connecting, what, what my husband and I do is we find time to connect in the morning and we find time to connect in the evening. And so even if it's 10 minutes in the morning, it's just a, hi, let's have a cup of coffee together. Hey, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? Okay. And then at the end of the day, we connect. How was your day? So what happened? Oh, I spoke to so-and-so and, you know, this happened and I saw this and I read this article, whatever it is, right? So that's how we connect. And we just found like working with that connection time to just go like, hey, listen, please don't forget to ask the kids to make the bed before they leave for school. Mm-hmm. So even something like that, then it it was like, okay, we're connecting. This is our time together. So whatever I'm saying to him, he's going to hear me on it. You know, the other thing was getting onto the same page. So when we have these requests or expectations of us, of our kids, if our spouse or partner is not on board, it's not going to happen. You know, so 
you know what, me getting my husband on board, thankfully my husband's a former Marine, so he was very much like, no, beds need to be made, you know. So I had his full support with, you know, making a bed. But I think sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to get your spouse or your partner to do something, get their kids to do something if they're not on board. And so even if they don't necessarily want that thing done, so even if my husband didn't think it was a big deal not having beds made, me communicating how it made me feel or what my need was, that's important. So that's getting him on board. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and, and if you're just going to nag, then he's just going to go, dang, she's nagging again, you know, whereas if he's on board because he's fully understood where you're at, he's going to support that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you're going to have to compromise. Mm-hmm. And that compromise isn't always giving up something as much as it is helping the other person with what they need. Yep. A lot of times when we think compromise, it's, oh, I can't go out to the bar anymore because I'm married. No, (laughs) that could be a compromise, but it could also be a compromise of, hey, Monica needs these beds made. It doesn't bother me, but it bothers her and I want her to be happy. Yes. So it's no big deal for me to remind the kids to make their beds. Yep. Now, if you were on him about everything with the kids, it might become overwhelming. Exactly. But I remember watching Dr. Phil, and oh my gosh, this was years ago. When I say years ago, I'm talking at least 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And he had this guy on there that he would go in these chat rooms and talk crap to women, right? And he told Dr. Phil, he's like, it's just fun. I have no intentions of meeting anybody or talking to anybody outside of this chat room. You know, it's just for fun and laughs, right? Well, Dr. Phil looks at the wife and he said, well, how do you feel about it? She said, it disgusts me. It hurts me. It makes me angry. It makes me insecure. And she starts naming all this stuff. And the guy's going, but I don't see anything wrong with it. And Dr. Phil says, you need to see what's wrong with it is that she doesn't like it. Yes. And you're hurting her. Yes. So even though you don't see it's a problem, if it's causing your significant other issues, you need to reevaluate. Exactly. And, and it's like I always say, you've got to protect the thing that you want to last. You got into, I got into this because of my husband. Mm-hmm. I married somebody that I want to spend the rest of my life with and therefore I need to protect that. And one of the ways to protect that is to communicate well because if he feels like he's being constantly attacked or he feels like I'm constantly attacking his children, that's going to affect our relationship. Right. And that relationship's not going to last. Yes. And so you do have to protect what you want to last. And, you know, it's like, you know, hindsight's such a wonderful thing, isn't it? My husband and I, sometimes we talk about the mistakes we made and some of the stuff that we did right and some of the stuff that was just a fluke that we got right. We were like, oh, wow, we did that well. We didn't really give it much thought, but, hey, that worked well, you know. And, um, you know, hindsight's a really great thing, but I think learning as well is is so important and, and communication is part of that. You know, we... Even if you get married in a normal relationship, it's interesting how we always see everything through a lens of step family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we fail to forget, like, 
if you just get a single guy and a single girl with no children and they get into a marriage, they have to learn to communicate. Right. They are going to come across some stuff that doesn't work for one, doesn't work for the other, whatever it is. So sometimes I think we place too much weight on the step family thing. Now, yes, the step family dynamics exist. Yes, they're hard. Yes, they're challenging. But some of the stuff that we're struggling with are just basic relationship stuff, like communication. Yes. Because whether you have kids or not, you need to learn to communicate well if you want that relationship to last. Right. But, and I have to say this, when it's step family related and it's their kids and your Mm -hmm. kids, it just multiplies. Oh, yes, absolutely. But it's like the, the whole communication thing is what really, really matters, you know? Right. And yeah. Yeah, we see it all the time. Someone will say, I'm trying to nacho, but what about this? And it reminds me of when I met with Mr. Butler and I said, but I want their, you know, them to have good hygiene. Lori, they're not your kids. And he kept on and on because I kept <clears> saying, but, 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 but. So someone will say, I'm trying to nacho, but what about this? The stepkid is sneaking out at night. I know they are. My husband does not know they are. Right. How do I nacho this? Well, first of all, that's a safety issue. I was just going to say, like, safety first, yeah. You need to tell dad, yeah. Safety first. And once you tell dad, it's in his hands. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Don't ask, what are you going to do about it? No. Hand it over. They have the information. They can decide what to do about it. Yep. Now, I also know that that can go bad, too. You can tell them, and they're in denial. No, she would never do that. My kid would never sneak out. Well, that's fine. Again, you've provided them the information. Now it's up to them. Exactly. And, you know, there's been times, you know, as as a stepmom where I've told my husband something, you know, that I've noticed about the kids or I've seen, you know, I, I think that, we forget the power that we have as stepmoms because we're coming in with a very different perspective and we're seeing the children very differently. And I think that that can be a really powerful thing. There's things that I see about my husband's children that he doesn't see, both negative and positive. Mm-hmm. So there's things that sometimes I'll say to him, I'll say to him, wow, you know, I've said something to him recently, you know, about my younger stepson, about like his work ethic. And I was just like, wow, you know, when I was that age, I was just such an idiot, like he's been really responsible and whatever. And that's, that's a perspective that my husband saw, but he he hadn't like really paid that much attention to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he knew it, he could see, he's proud of his son, you know, all that sort of stuff. But me saying it made him go, oh, yeah. And then he actually told his son. And then what happens is that bond then strengthens with his child. And that's that's what I want for my husband. I want him to have a good relationship with his kids. But equally, we can see when there's certain dangers. When, because we're looking from the outside in to a certain degree. Because they're right. not our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's things that I see because, well, I, I don't know them the whole life. I'm still getting to know them and I'm noticing things and I'm noticing behaviours or attitudes or whatever. And I can highlight that to him and say to him, hey, you know what, I think so-and-so is doing this and it doesn't feel like that's a really good thing. 
you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and then he can deal with it and he can maybe protect his child because that's what he wants to do. As a man, he wants to protect. Right. So, you know, I, th- I think this, it's really quite a powerful role in some ways. Yes. And one thing we really need to remember, and I'm glad that you brought this up, is you've got the stepkids and you don't want to say anything negative about them because it hurts your partner. Mm-hmm. You also don't want to put your partner in the middle mm-hmm. of arguments between you and the stepkids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you look at it as, okay, I take little Johnny to school. He's a brat. I can't stand him. He drives me crazy. I don't need to do anything for this kid. He's not mine, right? Or you could look at it as my partner needs me to take his son to school. Yeah. I'm doing this for my partner. Now, granted, if little Johnny's in the back seat spitting spitballs in your hair, smacking you in the head, cussing you out, then you need to talk to your partner and say, we need to find something else. Right. There needs to be a conversation. Absolutely. But a lot of stepmoms, even stepdads will say, the kid doesn't tell me thank you for taking them to school. And I just laugh because they don't want to go to school, more than likely. So why are they going to thank you for taking them there? And, you know, I think it's easy to take things personally. And I'm not disregarding behavior. I'm not disregarding any of that sort of stuff. But you know what? Saying thank you, using that example, they probably don't thank their mom when she drops them off either. Right. And it's, it's like our expectation, well, you know, they should say thank you because what bad manners, blah, 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 you know, and we have this whole, like, pity party fest going on and it's like, oh, and it becomes this massive thing. And I know how hard it is to not let it become a massive thing because I've been there. I used to make everything was everything was a big deal to me, everything, you know. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and it does become a big deal, but sometimes we need to look at it at the lens, through the lens of this is a kid yes, and not this is my stepkid. This is a kid. You know what? They're going to do goofy stuff. I saw my stepkids do some really goofy stuff. And, you know, please, they were teenagers. I had they were, the three of them were teenagers at the same time. So there was a lot of goofiness going on, right? I mean, they just, every teenager does dumb stuff, right? And um, I had to learn to look at it at the lens of like, oh, okay, yeah, he's, he's 13, she's 15. This is what they're going to do. They're going to do stupid stuff sometimes. <laughs> and it's just and because it's not they're teenagers. And, and it's because they're teenagers. It's not because they're your stepchild. Yes. It's because they're a teenager. A three-year-old is going to act like a three-year-old, not because he's your stepchild, but because he's three. Right. You know, and we forget that. Well, and I think, too, that makes it more difficult on childless stepmoms because they don't have that experience of, oh, well, I remember when my kid was three and I caught them eating dog food. Yeah. They don't remember those things. Well, they don't have those things to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exactly that. I had no point of reference, but what, I have done, you know, and we, we still do it now, you know, my husband and I, because he'll like say something like, oh, you know, yeah, I just feel like, you know, the kids haven't mm-hmm. heeded my advice or whatever, something like that. And then I say to him, I say to him, when you were that age, did you listen to your dad? And he's like, no, I'm like, so why are you expecting your kids to listen to you? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they've got to grow up and they've got to get to a certain point. And so 
we try and remind each other like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember at 21. Yeah, I was a bit of an idiot. Okay. You know, so, okay, my stepson's done this and it's not the smartest thing or whatever it is. And then it just helps us to just be a little more gracious. And we've got this thing with my stepkids, especially now, like as they're adults and that. Mm-hmm. We don't give our opinion unless we're asked. And we have actually communicated that to them. Like, we don't want to be the people that go, oh, well, I think you should do this. And I think you should do that. I think you should do it. Like, every time they talk to us about stuff. And we've said to them, the only time we will give you our opinion is if we see you going off, off a cliff. Mm-hmm. If we see that your actions are going to send you off a cliff, then right. we're going to say something to warn you and be like, hey, listen, you need to not drive so fast or whatever the, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really allowed them to just flourish as adults and just be. And when they're with us, they relax more because they know, okay, we're just going to have conversations. They can tell us anything. We're not going to be like, oh, I can't believe you did this and you you should fix it like this and you should tell so-and-so this. You know, we just kind of go, okay, we know where the kids are and they open up to us because we're not telling them all the time, you know, what to do. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's power in that as well. Even Even at younger ages, sometimes they don't need your opinion. Right. Yes, that's true. And sometimes, and sometimes they don't want it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we, we don't, we, we can't take that personally. Mm-hmm. Yes, you yeah. can't. And it's so easy to take things personally, especially mm-hmm. when they leave a note that says, Monica, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully I never got any of those. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to not take that personally? Yes. Because yes. you have to step back. And one thing that again, something we teach in the academy is learning to pause. Yes. If you find a note like that, don't react. It's mm-hmm. hard. I know you're hurt, angry, all those feelings. Take a deep breath and pause and say, this kid's hurting. Yes. Now, granted, yes. I will add this caveat in there. If you just threw all of the stepkid stuff out of their room because you wanted to clean it, and I do mm-hmm. that with air quotes, then, yeah, they mean it. Yes. <laughs> then, like, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it, yeah, it is. You know, I, I think, and, and that's something that I would do, like I would struggle with, I, I had major anxiety and major stress when, when I was struggling as a stepmom, like off-the-wall mm-hmm. anxiety. I mean, my stomach would be in a knot the whole time my stepkids were here with us, you know, and I just really, really struggled. I was scared to put a foot wrong. I was anxious because I didn't want to see their mom. I was like, just had all these different things going on and I really, really struggled. And some of the struggles were things that I brought in to this relationship, that I brought into the mix. And so sometimes we need to pause to understand, you know, when I was struggling with my stepkids, you know, just to bond with them and, you know, all that sort of stuff, and they were obviously going through stuff. I, and and I'm just telling you, this is my personal experience. I felt a deep rejection and it's something that I really struggled with. And I had to really dig deep and understand, did my stepchildren cut me or were they just adding salt to that, to a wound that was already there? Right. Because I dealt with rejection. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, And so sometimes we need to, stop and think about that. Is this something that I'm already struggling with? 
because it's easy to blame it on, oh, the stepkids, oh, the dynamics, oh, whatever. And yes, the, all of those things really impact us, but sometimes we do need to stop and look at ourselves and say, was that wound already there and are they just adding salt to it and that's what's making it hurt? Right. They didn't cut me, yeah. Yeah, then we can go as deep as to say, oh, maybe the reaction that I'm having is based off of childhood trauma or wounds that I have. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, another way to to deal with that, you know, when, when we have that sort of reaction is, is, is when we stop, it's just, and, and, you know, it's just some grounding exercises really help, you know, stopping, just putting your hand over your heart and just being like, okay, I feel this way. You know what? I recognize that the kids didn't cut me, but the salt that they're pouring in the wounds, like this really hurts and I feel angry and I feel sad and I feel rejected and I feel, and you can name all the things that you feel mm-hmm. and just take a few breaths and just be like, but I'm okay. Everything's right. okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just that whole grounding thing. I think when we don't recognize things, that's when we spiral. And right. I went through that, you know, where I just spiraled. And, and it's like being on this roller coaster, hamster wheel all at the same time. You're going round and round, up and down, and you just don't get anywhere. Right. And, and I went through that, and, and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's really, really horrible. And it's hard to get out of it, but it's worth it. Yes. It takes a lot of work. It does. It does. And I think there is no quick fix. You know, like even if you look at, you know, your not your method, it's not mm-hmm. like a, okay, do this one thing. There you are, you're fixed. You no. Know, there's, a, there's a lot more to it, right? Right. And it's not just like, well, they're not your kids. Who cares? Okay, kids, just I'm just going to ignore them forever. No, that's not what that is. No. You know, there's these various steps. There's different things yeah. to consider. There's it, It's so in-depth. And I think that's something that's easy to forget. Well, I'm just going to do this one thing. You know, we live in a we live in a microwave world. You know, we want everything fixed now. You know, and sometimes it needs to be a roast. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. And, and I'm telling you, if you join the Nacho Kids Academy, and you think that just by joining mm-hmm. and not doing any work that it's going to help you save your money. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly it. It's the same with me with coaching. It's not, I'm, I'm not going to like recommend a book for you and ta-da, everything's amazing. You right. know, it, it, yes. it, it is, it's a process and it all begins with you. It doesn't begin with your step family because I can't control my stepkids. I can't control my husband. I can control me. Right. So I have to start with me. What is it that I can do? How can I change my perspective? What is it? How can I communicate better or whatever the need is? Mm -hmm. It starts with you. And the other thing that I find as well is often people mirror you. And so if you are communicating well to your partner, if you are being gracious in your communication, if you being kind in your communication, chances are that he's going to mirror that back to you. Yes. And so, and it's the same with the stepkids. It's not always the case because kids are hurting and kids lash out when they hurt, when they don't know what to do with their hurt. It, it right. comes out in behavior, right? But often when we show them that grace and that kindness and that understanding, it makes it a little harder for them to just be, well, I hate you. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yes. So it, it does help. It does help, definitely. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. I know that we've covered a lot in this episode, 
But I think that there are so many key points in this. One of them being, it's not about you. Yep. One of them being pause before you react. Yeah. Learn to not react and instead respond. Learning to control yourself because that's the only person you can control. Mm-hmm. And you can control how you let things affect you. Yes. And I think also just learning to see things from others' perspective. And and that feeds into the, it's not just about you. I think that's important. Yes. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, Monica, thank you so much. I could keep talking to you forever and we could talk about all kind of step family stuff. Me too. I've loved it. Thank you. Yeah. We'll have to try to do a course together or something in the academy. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. I'd love it. Well, tell people how they can find you. I am on Instagram, uh, the, the Worthy Stepmom. I also have my website, which is theworthystepmom.com, or you can email me, Monica, at theworthystepmom.com. Okay. All yeah. right. And you help stepmoms and stepdads or bio dads? Who do you help, Monica? Who do you help? Um, so I work mainly with stepmoms. I have worked with a couple, a, a few couples, um, but mainly I'm, I'm working with stepmoms. Okay. Yeah. All right. So sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Laurie. It's been so much fun, and I'm just really honoured that you asked me to to join you. So thank you. I'm glad to have you as a guest. One of the things that Monica and I talk about is not doing things to hurt your partner. David, are you listening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I can't even think. Why do you think I do something to hurt my partner? <laughs> no, but let's talk about that because a lot of times I think step parents will do things because they're resentful or they're burnt out or stressed out or having issues with the stepkids that does end up hurting the partner. As an example, I'm asking you. Yeah, you're asking me. Well, the only things I can recall was when I would be having a difficult time with one of my kids. <laughs> I know and, what you're gonna say. I and, know what you're gonna say. And you would jump in there and be like, "What are you gonna do right now?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my gosh! Like, I don't need more pressure from you. <laughs> Go away. Your your kid just burned down." Half of Lancaster. What are you going to do about it? It was more like they didn't do their homework. What are you going to do about it? No, I didn't. They stayed up. They stayed up late playing video games. What are you going to do about it? They didn't. They left the indie cereal box in the cabinet. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, I don't think the staying up late bothered me unless it kept me up. And yeah, because at midnight somebody would come down the steps and it was always like boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> yeah, but they would say, "Well, at least I skipped the last two. But yeah, you jumped. <laughs> you skipped <laughs> them all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what fun this is. Yeah. I mean, that was that was damaging to the relationship. Um, always having discussions about the negativity of what was going on in the house was damaging. You know, it's like we tell people if you're gonna have if you're gonna go out like on a date with your significant other then don't talk about all the junk going on because then it becomes, well, every time we go out on a date, we just talk about all the crap going on. So I don't want to go out <laughs> on a date anymore. Yeah. It's more like a bad therapy session. 
Yeah. So whether it's going out on a date, whether it's family meetings or whatever it is, you can't just always bring up the bad stuff or just becomes one of those things you just want to avoid at all cost. Yep. It's kind of like the, what is the thing? Like when your significant other looks at you and says, we need to have a talk and you're like, oh my God, what is this about? You do that to me all the time. Cause you, you know, it's, it's almost universal that people don't think that it's going to be a good thing. Right. If, but, if you or I say we need to talk, then the other person automatically thinks, oh, not good. I don't. Cause I'm like, I ain't done nothing wrong. So uh, <laughs> I just threw my hands up in the air, <laughs> waving them like, I just don't care. I'm like, what's her problem? I ain't done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess I need to find someone that's not perfect and have them on this podcast with me. <laughs> that shouldn't be hard. <laughs> David, have yes. we made the announcement that another step grandbaby's on the way? I don't know. There he is, folks. That's right. Another little boy. One of the triplets is having a baby. Another little Sims boy. That's yep. right. We are repopulating the earth one baby at a time. <laughs> and this baby will be a year and two months after the youngest grandbaby. Yeah. So you got a year and one day apart and then a year and two months apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited, but I wish it would have been a girl. Oh. Yeah. Number one, because Branson wanted a boy so bad, he refused to even talk about girl names. So you wanted him to have a girl because he wanted a boy. Yep. <laughs> hey, I wasn't the only one. Your sister and somebody else thought the same thing. <laughs> what's wrong with y'all? You should want the best for somebody. I want what's best for them. Sometimes it's best for you to No, you don't want what's best for him. You want you want to like I want to pay him back for being a kid. <laughs> no. With, with the kid that's like him. That's no. how that's how most parents are. It's like, I hope you have a kid that acts just like you. <laughs> well, my mama must not have ever said that because my son is so much of a better kid than I ever was. That one that doesn't take much. Yeah, it don't. Um so yeah. That'll be three grandbabies in three years and two months. Mm-hmm. And two, I think that I wanted it to be a girl because, you know, Ethan wanted a boy so bad. And when he found out she was a girl, he was a little disappointed, we'll say. But he could still teach her to fight. He still does teach her to fight. Yeah. She's going to be into UFC as a girl. <laughs> She's going to be into girl UFC. Yeah, but you know, it's just one of those things where you just, they want, he wanted a boy so bad that he wouldn't even entertain girls' names, David. I don't blame him. But you remember when he sent that picture <laughs> of the ultrasound of the baby at like, I don't know, six weeks? Yeah, like a little gummy bear. And I said, oh, you can tell it's a boy. He's like, how do you know? <laughs> I said, because it looks like you when you were little. Well, that's true. <laughs> and then you said something to him. <laughs> Go ahead, tell it. Uh, no, I mean, I don't. I don't even remember exactly what I said. 
but I was, I said something similar to that. <laughs> and he's like, dad, you got to get on a call with me and tell me how you know that. <laughs> I'm like, Branson, it's a joke, son. <laughs> the, if the doctor can't tell you, how am I going to tell you? It came to me in a dream. Yeah. Now, y'all will think <laughs> I'm crazy, but a year before I had my son and I was not even planning on getting pregnant, I had a dream about Jackson and he looked like Jackson. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. I wrote it in my little baby book. But after that dream you told me you had last night, that scares me even more. About my sister? Yeah. <laughs> Shooting everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's some things we didn't know about her. Yeah, she she was having a mental breakdown. <laughs> Poor thing. She's and then, passed. then we tried to put her in a home and they wouldn't take her. I mean, oh, even, that came from them trying to put your grandma in a home. Even in death, your sister can't. You can't leave her alone. You're no, still it was the other sister. Oh, the other sister. Yeah, she went crazy. Oh, the one that's alive. Yeah. Um. No, she's not motivated enough to shoot anybody. David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> that's our show yeah. for today. And we went off the chains again. Yep. Be sure to join us next week. And remember, life is good. <laughs> when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.